In this week's episode of Studenter, we'll be reviewing the Coppa Italia, Derby d'Italia against Juventus. We'll be reviewing the Fiorentina game. We'll be previewing the return leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final against Juve and the Lazio game on Sunday. This week's Mojif, Moratti and Frog and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter on elsempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavala Iruzzari, wishing you welcome to an episode where we are a little bit confused, uh, and I'll get to why we're confused in a little bit. But before uh, we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelist, uh, our good friend from Miami. He has his own radio show. Uh, he is also, uh, he has his own podcast as, as well, the Calcio Connection podcast, and a bunch of other things. I think he's also the official sp- speaker for Inter Miami CF. Uh, welcome back, Mr. Alex Dono. Thank you so much, Nima. And I'm always a little bit confused, so I'm going to feel right at <laughs> home in this episode. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope I didn't screw up your your uh, your uh, introduction there, because you do change. And I know you've got a show, and then sometimes the show disappears and immerses into something else. I just know you've got <laughs> the podcast, that, that, that you've got that. And, and then you also work for Inter Miami, right? Yes, I've got a lot of different things going on. Uh, I, I work with Inter Miami. Uh, MLS is not currently in season, but we do through Inter Miami. We do uh, daily radio shows at onsideradio.com, so people can find me there. And yeah, you were spot on with the Calcio Connection. Okay, cool. No, because I think that's the one I was on, the on-site one, right? Because you guys talk yes. about everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one you invited me to talk Calcio with you on. Yeah, that was yeah that's right, and you were great. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and we're also joined by uh, the uh, by Semprinter.com's uh, feature writer, uh, writes a feature every week called What We Learned, Five Things We Learned from Inter This Week, Mr. Jake Smalley. Hello, thank you very much for having me on again. I'm looking forward to talking a bit of Italian football on a Saturday night for a change as well, so yeah. I'm... Yeah, yeah, I mean, we are recording this on a Saturday, and as, far, and as far as I remember, this is the first time we're recording this on a Saturday, because I can't remember Inter playing on a Friday in the Serie A ever before, and we wanted to get this out uh, as soon as possible, so that, you know, obviously as close to the game uh, as possible, so so we, we're doing it on a Saturday. And we're also joined by the chief news editor at Semprinta.com, Mr. Will Beckman. Hello, thank you for having me again. Um, the, the, the good thing about Inter winning a match on a Friday is that you can relax and watch the rest of, you can watch an entire weekend's football without the sort of existential worry that Inter are going to ruin it at some point. So it's uh, it's a nice change. And the best thing with that is is the fact that since, since a certain wife slash agent is no longer, um, her and her client are no longer Inter, you don't have to worry about Tiki Taka anymore. That's not a thing. That used to be a thing. It's not anymore. And I am, and that, that fact is not lost on me. <laughs> it really isn't. I'm really grateful for that um, because that was gut-wrenching. It's like after what James Horncastle said back when he was on here, he said, well, after, your one, after one game ends, the other begins. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. And it's lovely. Um, uh, so, I mean, let's get into it because it's a lot, there's a lot of things happening at Inter right now. Um, and we, you know, let's, let's start with the Coppa Italia game, uh, a game where I think Inter, when I, I mean, looking back throughout the entire game from start to finish, it was a game Inter played really, really well. It was a game that Inter pretty much dominated for large stretch stretches. And to be honest, probably a game that. You know, if it wasn't for individual errors with Ashley Young and Samir Handanovic, and and if you want Alessandro Bastoni, we'll get into that. This is a game Inter should have comfortably won, uh, and would have com- comfortably won if it had not been for for those two two uh, two situations. Uh, do you agree with that assessment, Alex? Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think that the way that that went down, it's 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 a reminder um, that. You make any errors against a team with the quality of a Juventus. I mean, you saw the way that Cristiano Ronaldo was able to take advantage of the, you know, Handanovic slash Bastoni error and, you know, put it in in the net from a very difficult angle. I mean, the finish was very well done there. And you, you just realize that, you know, even if even if you approach the match properly, you control the match, you create more chances that against a team like Juve, and it's why I 
you know, even a couple weeks ago when they seemed down and out, I, I've never counted them out of the Scudetto race. I know this is Coppa Italia, but I think that the quality still applies here. The argument still applies here that, that, that that's a team that can make you pay for any mistake that you make. And so, you know, overall, I, I was certainly not down and out about the way that Inter approached the match or the way that they played the match. Um, you know, I'm certainly thankful that if you're going to split your first two meetings with Juve in a season, you'd win the Serie A match and lose the Coppa Italia match. You know, I think that that's uh, the preferred way I would script that, given how important the Scudetto race is for Inter this year. Um, but I, you know, we talked about this in our episode a week ago, and I think most of us on the panel, I think Will, or it might have been Mo who differed on this, were most of us were expecting sort of a lower scoring cagey affair, maybe a nil-nil or a one-nil going either direction. So I, I think the 2-1 result was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, just I wouldn't have predicted that heading into the match. And now heading into the second leg, I'm not even sure uh, if I were Conte. Now, Conte doesn't think like me all the time, but I, I probably wouldn't necessarily put out my best starting 11 for the return leg, considering what you have coming up in Serie A, uh, because giving up those two away goals, I think, could be really costly for Inter. For sure. I couldn't agree more. I mean, for me, the game, it's the tie is essentially over because even Inter have to score two goals minimum against Juve. And, you you know, if you, you go to the, to the Allianz Stadium against the Juventus, who will just wait for Inter to open up and, and hurt them. So for me, the game, the, the tie is virtually over. I, I don't see how Inter, unless they pull out something really, truly remarkable out of the hat, uh, I don't see how Inter can can possibly uh, go through, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I tweeted out that just send the Primavera because, you know, given what happened in the semifinal, I couldn't care less because the focus has to be on the Serie A, especially that Inter have never, you know, are top of the Serie A when we were recording this before, you know, obviously Crotone are going to play Milan, who have a, who have a game uh, in hand, but this is the best chance Inter have had in, 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 in a decade in winning the Serie A, and to me, it's a no-brainer. The Coppa Italia is like, you know, whatever. Uh, it was nice to beat Milan, and had they not done that nonsense, you know, Handanovic and and and, and Ashley Young, then then this we could have st- talked about it. But now, I think after the first leg, the focus surely has to be in the Serie A. Um, but I want to I want to hear what you guys think of, of the game, starting with you, Will. What's your what's your assessment of of, of what Alex and I have said about the game, or where where do you, where where do you stand on that? No, substantially, I agree. I mean, we, we shot ourselves in the foot, didn't we? Um, started the game really well, did the hard bit, got the opening goal. And at that point, I thought the, the game would be sort of tactically very suited to us, just like it was in the first game in, in the league when uh, we got the lead and built on it and, uh, and created loads of chances. But unfortunately, we, we had two of these uh, disastrous uh, interesque errors in the can this time. And uh, that really changed the game. I, I don't think if, if we hadn't gifted Juventus those two goals that they would have scored twice um you know that's that's the a real shame um and it, it took me back to last year's semi-final where we conceded a, a stupid goal that cost us in that time in the second leg against Napoli with a, a counter-attack from our own corner that ended up uh costing us the the, the final in a game that we were dominating so it's it was kind of um similar in that sense and it raises questions maybe about the, our ability to manage these do or die matches um, obviously we did beat Juventus in the league but that wasn't necessarily a, uh, a do or die match because it was a league game and uh, yeah it was. I thought it was very disappointing I, I don't think it's completely over yet and I certainly do not agree with either of you about the, the theory that we should be sending a weakened team to Turin that's the last thing I'd be doing um, I think this is still possible while we're not favourites I think Juventus uh, are capable of losing 2-0 to us they've already done it this season and we know that home advantage isn't really such a thing anymore with uh, with with fans not being there, um, but the, the game itself, I, I agree. I think you know, I do think that actually, for maybe for half an hour or so after Juventus got that second goal, they looked fairly comfortable. Um, I think that we we sort of again showcased uh, how dependent we are on Lukaku because it was much diff, much um, much trickier to get the ball up the pitch, especially without Hakimi there as well. And I think that meant that Juventus could control us a lot more easily. They were able to commit more men forward and press a bit higher than they did in the first game. And for, you know, until sort of the hour mark, we didn't really create anything. But then in the last half an hour, I think we could still have, we still had more than enough chances to to get a, to get at least a draw. I think if, if, Luke, if Hakimi had been playing, he would have scored the, the chance that Darmian had and had uh, Lukaku been playing, he would have scored the chance that Sanchez had. Um, but they weren't playing. So, uh, so there you go. Um, so, yeah, 
disappointing. What's the famous saying? Ifs, if ifs and buts were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 my but, favorite saying: If my grandmother had testicles, she'd be my grandfather. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's it is what it is. Uh, but having you know, I, I, I want to hear what you think, uh, Jake, uh, about the game, and also um, where do you stand? Because I want to move. Um, to to this to to because Alex and I have already said that we want we should we think Inter should prioritize the Serie A and will disagrees. So starting with your assessment of the game and also where are you on this issue on this whole issue because of of you know should Inter send a field a strong game a strong team against Juve given that you got Lazio on Sunday. Um, I, I can see both sides of it to be honest with you. I can see the argument for sending a weakened side. Um, I really can't see anything positive coming from the second leg. I think even with a full-strength team, I think Inter will find it difficult. Um, you know, most sides who will go to that stadium this season will come away with nothing. I mean, you know, it's a cup game, it's straight knockout, which gives you a little bit of a different element. But I think it'd be really, really difficult for Inter to go there and just put a weakened team out, really. I think the league does have to be the priority. But ultimately, there's a chance of winning... Um, a little bit of silverware, a slight chance, very slim chance. I think it's all well and good sending uh, a strong side just to give it a go. It's straight knockout. Anything can happen. And I think it's important to give a really good show in the Copper Italia as well. I, I think winning that uh, will relieve a little bit of pressure on management. I think it might potentially aid a sale if we're looking at sales. I know that might be clutching its draws a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's all positive. Any kind of silverware looks good to the exterior, doesn't it? So, um, I think in terms of the game itself, from from what I saw, from from my viewpoint, I think it's very fair what um, all three of you have said. Really, I think it all does come down to those individual errors, and that's where we've got glaring sort of areas in the squad that really need strengthening. That left hand side massively needs strengthening. It's a serious weakness. Uh, we saw that, you know. On Friday night as well. I know Perisic scored, but he was absolutely dreadful first half. I mean, mm. I just come off at half time. Uh, and the goalkeeper as well. Again, I know he made two good saves on Friday night, but he's he's a scarecrow at the moment. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all where those sort of errors came from. And it just highlights me more and more that they're the players that need replacing. How that's going to be done, given the financial situation that we may potentially be finding ourselves in, I don't know. Um, but overall, I think the, the, they are better off putting a strong team out for the second leg. Um, you never know what might happen. I'm not holding too much hope. I just think you must have got that DNA on these type of games to sort of get through. But and, and I do, I do see what um, you both say, Nima and Alex as well. We send in a weekend team. I can, I can understand that. But and we will on this one. Well, I mean, look, uh, I, 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 given the Lazio, you know, Lazio are in, are in ridiculous form. I think they're, they're the most informed team in the Serie A. Five, six straight wins, uh, undefeated in seven games. Um, to, they play tomorrow and they probably will win that game as well. Uh, they play an awful Cagliari. So um, they'll pro- they'll go into that Inter game full of confidence, six wins in a row, seven wins in a row. And, and, and I think you want to have rested fresh players. I don't want it to be a situation where Inter come to that game tired having played extra time uh, on a Tuesday, even though it's five days left. I mean, it's just, for me, the focus has to be the Serie A because if, if, if things are looking grim and bleak for Inter off the pitch, you don't want to even think about the the what will happen if Inter miss top four next season. I mean, I, I can't, I, I don't even want to think about it because it won't <laughs> allow me to sleep at night. So for me, it's, it, it has to be. I mean, I would... I would have. I wouldn't do anything. I, I wouldn't criticize Conte at all if he were to send the Primavera to 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 Turin. To, to be honest, I mean, I wouldn't hold anything against him there because it's it's just. I know he won't because it's not in his character, but I I really think that the Serie A has to be the focus. But having said that, to be honest, on the other side, to your point and Will's point, this is the last game of this period where interplay two games a week after that it literally is once a week so they should be able to to manage that and it's a tuesday and a sunday we've got five days in between so it shouldn't be too bad i'm just worried about injuries more than anything and and lukaku uh because because he's so imperative to how to play well sanchez and vidal will get a rest anyway so you know yeah. because they're yeah. suspended so you know i, I think you said it there anyway the, the gap it's not like thursday to sunday it's tuesday to sunday yeah. and as yeah. you said this is this is the this is probably our last non-league game of the season. And even if it's yeah. not, there's one more game afterwards. So, I, and, you know, I don't, we're going to get our rests when the Champions League comes back in a week or so. So I, I think given that it's not, if we were four nil down, then fine, you know, that that's, a, that's a, a, 
a, a decision maybe you could make because you've got tough games going. But this is this tie isn't finished enough um, to I think to justify resting players, especially given what we've all just said. I mean, we've just said okay, mm. it's unlikely, but we all just said that we should have won the first leg. So yeah, sure. I, I think it's it's something we should absolutely go for. But having mm. said that, I don't expect us to get through. No, no. I mean, let's be honest. I, I don't think anyone. I, I don't think anyone um, thinks Inter will go through. Um, I, I do. I think Inter could win by by one nil or something, or one one draw or something like that. But I don't think. Uh, I don't think. I don't see. Uh, I don't see Inter going through. Uh, but I think Juventus are too skilled to to manage these situations, especially after being gifted that. But we have to talk about this. I mean, so I mean, the criticism throughout the years against Samir Handanovic has been that he doesn't move. I've never agreed with that at all because I find it ridiculous. This 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 analysis, this so-called, it's not even analysis, it's just nonsense. Um, that as if a goalkeeper at this level doesn't want to throw himself to save as if, as if he's not bothered. That, that's just not true. The issue that he doesn't throw, you don't see that in the camera angles when you watch the games, but when you see from certain angles where you see how far away the ball is from him when, when the shots are made, that's why he doesn't throw himself. And the reason he doesn't is because he he's always had a problem with positioning. That's the issue. That's his biggest issue. He's always, always, always struggled with reading the game and being poorly positioned. And by the time, and since he is poorly positioned, when the shots come at him, he's so far away from them that it's pointless for him to throw them throw himself after the ball because he's nowhere near it. I think this is so brilliantly illustrated as the Coppa Italia quarterfinal against Milan when Ibrahimovic scores the first goal. The ball is nowhere near him. He's so poorly positioned and obviously Ibrahimovic finishes phenomenal because he literally places it by the corner, by the far post, which is, you know, that that's impossible for any goalkeeper to save. But that, but it, I, 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 this is what has always annoyed me with, with, with Handanovic, that his read of the game has always been his weakest point. What we're seeing now, though, is a complete unraveling. What we're seeing now is is he's falling apart, and it's and to me that's a shame, because if if we're looking at the past ten years, Samir Handanovic has been one of the few highlights of a very bleak decade. He's saved Inter more times than not, and he's this. What's happening now is ruining his legacy. Um, the past the errors here he's making these past two seasons are. It's so clear that he's so past his best that it's it's sad. It makes me sad to 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 see this because he he's ruining his legacy, and I and I can't blame him for it. Um, I I think the the situation needed to be addressed before the pandemic, um, the same way it was addressed when Inter replaced. Francesco Toldo with Julio Cesar as their first keeper, and the same way Handanovic replaced Julio Cesar. They should have done this two years ago. The the goalkeeping position is such an important position to get right that you need a little bit of time to school whoever comes in afterwards into into the role. Inter waited too long, and they have to address it now in the summer. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts anymore. Uh, it has to be done, and. And it, it makes me sad. Again, it makes me so sad because Handanovic has been such a good goalkeeper overall um, the, these past ten years. And and it's just it, it just it's depressing to see what's happening right now because it is complete freefall. Um, Alex, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, and I think what you said about his positioning, which is something he's he's never been great at. It's yeah, as you're alluding to, it get it gets magnified so much more because when you do mm. start to get older on into your late thirties like he is now, you know, you start to naturally lose your reflexes and, and your speed because Handanovic used to be able to correct mm. the positioning with the cat like reflexes. And exactly. that's why he was able to make so many great saves over the years, even if he may have been you know, a, a few a few inches off the spot he should be, and and unfortunately now in his in his advanced age, he's no longer able uh, to correct that. You know, it's and, and it's a shame that this is such a precipitous drop now for him because over the past couple of seasons, I think he's made some really good improvements uh, with the ball at his feet. I, I think he's become much better with his distribution over the last couple of years. So it's been nice to see. That improvement, obviously, he he does commit errors even in that regard every now and again as well. But overall, he's become better in that department. 
And I, I couldn't agree more about the club's lack of planning. It's something I've been saying over the past couple of seasons because this assumption that they've seemingly made that, you know, prior, because now we're really seeing the drop this season. But the assumption that they made essentially was Handanovic was going to be world class until he was 40 is essentially mm. the assumption that they were making. And, you know, even, you know, even last and people have been criticizing him for a couple of seasons just for standing still. I think a yeah. lot of that's unwarranted in the past uh, because he, even last year, you know, he missed a little time due to injury last year. And Padelli had to play some games and was absolutely dreadful. And then mm. as soon as Handanovic came back, he was really good. I mean, he was yeah. you know, even uh, even through the end of the uh, the, the year post lockdown last season, Handanovic was playing very well. And now it's just dropped off the cliff and uh, and, you know, and not really having a backup that Conte believes in. I mean, I think that they did make, at least on paper, a slight upgrade from Padelli to Radu, but they don't even trust Radu to give him, you know, a start in that in that first Coppa Italia match against Fiorentina. So we're never going to see Radu if he didn't get a start there. So you don't even have anyone to spell Honda and maybe take some of the pressure off. If he's in poor form, give him a game or two off. That's not even an option. So he's got to go out there, you know, twice a week. And uh, it's been really, really tough. And and honestly, we're we're gonna look back if Inter don't win the Scudetto this season, mm. uh, he's not gonna be the only reason. But you will certainly look back at some of his errors and some of the points that he's cost Inter already. And who knows how many he might cost them from here on out. And you're gonna say, I wonder what might have been if they had a more reliable keeper. If maybe we'd be talking about a Scudetto if not for a handful of points dropped directly because of the goalkeeper. Mm, yeah, for sure. That's that's a really good point. Um, but um, another player that is so way past his sell-by date, it's he belongs in the Museum of Natural History. Is is Ashley Young? I mean, this is uh, you know he was he was brought in about a year ago to to you know a year and a half ago to to just you know act as a cover or backup or, or whatever it was. But this is not you know that 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 the error he made. I mean that penalty. There was no that, that the thing that annoys me the most is that Bernardeschi's cross was closer to hitting the. the it's going the, into Rosette. Yeah, it re, I mean it was closer to hitting the Panini lady outside the stadium than it was to going to Quadra. There was no need for for him to do that, and it was absolutely clear the, the infringement was was solare as the Italians say and and it's and I expect more of someone of his his, his quality to do that especially with Quadrado who we know everybody knows he, he's not he doesn't exactly need a lot of help to tumble over in the in in, in the penalty area so I, it's just to me that's just it just frustrated me so much and and it, it was unnecessary more than anything it was unnecessary um so you know I hope these you know I hope Handanovic and and Ashley Young and and some other players are being phased out because they they are liabilities, they are risks um, every time they step out on the pitch. Um, one, I mean, let's let's just you know talk about the upcoming. We kind of already done. I mean, just quickly uh, do a do a prediction. Um, I, I've, I'm going to say one one. I think one one. Lukaku will score one, and um, I think Morata will score one, and, and you will go through to the final. What about you, Jake? Uh, I think I'll agree with you on that. One. I think one one. Uh, I think Inter will score first. They'll huff and they'll puff for sort of 60-odd minutes of the game. Look like they might have a chance. And then you will just sort of do what they do and stamp on our dreams and uh, 1-1. <laughs> what, what about you, Will? Yeah, I think, look, if, we only have to win by a scoreline that's not 1-0. So if you put it like that, then it's not, like, impossible. You know, I can see a 2-1, for instance. And I know you don't want extra time, but I don't think it's, you know, it's not out of the... the the, the realms of possibility that, that we can still salvage this but fundamentally no I think I think a 1-1 is is quite a realistic scoreline the issue here is that you know in order to, knowing that we have to score two goals we're going to have to take some risks at some point and if Juventus gets space that's going to play into their hands so I, I, I do find it difficult because I think tactically it will suit them so uh, yeah I, I hope maybe they can they can restore one of our one of our howlers from from Tuesday and uh and we can be even like that. But no, I think I've got 1-1 as well because uh, that's, you know, we, we, we don't take our chances and that's probably, it's pro- it'll probably be a one-all draw where we miss chances and, you know, we're having the same conversations as we've been having pretty much for <laughs> the last six months. Um, what about you, uh, Alex? Where Are you on the 1-1 train? 
You know, part of Will's analysis is actually why my prediction is a little bit more dire. And I can get away with this today <laughs> since Mo is not part of the podcast. I, I, I never want to sound negative if I'm on the same pod with Mo, but I'm actually going to predict a 2-1 loss. And it's going to be because uh, it's going to be 1-1, I think, in the final 10 or 15 minutes. And then Inter will probably, you know, play a little bit too high up, maybe overextend to get the second goal. And Juve is going to get us on the counter. That, that's why I'm, I'm thinking a 2-1 loss. I think Juve is going to get a late 85th, 88-minute type of strike. Mm, for sure. For sure. I think, but I think it, but so in that. Well. But in that snow, if it's one all, we're all saying then it's going to be in the balance right to the end, despite the fact that none of us think we're going through. Because mm-hmm. if it's one one, we're a goal from extra time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think so, it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tight. So, okay, I don't so, think it's going yeah. to be embarrassing. No. Okay. Well, then let's go for it. Let's play everyone. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Right. Uh, let's talk about the Fiorentina game because uh, it was a game where, where Inter, uh, the, the first half, Inter, Fiorentina played against Inter the way all teams of that quality do against Inter, the same way Udinese and Sampdoria played against Inter by shrinking, uh, by, by defending deep two lines, shrinking space in the middle and not conceding anything to Inter. Uh, and obviously having a goalkeeper in Dragovski who made a magical, absolutely magical save. He is a good keeper and he has made quite a few magical saves uh, in, in the Serie A. But I mean, it was classic. You could say, I mean, James Horncastle, a good friend of the show, he tweeted out that in the highlights reel of great saves this Inter, this season, it's only going to be finishes from Inter. <laughs> Goalkeepers saving shots from Inter. And and I mean, Juan Musso a few weeks back, Dragovski now, Consigli is always fantastic. So, um, but but something gave, uh, and it was Nicolo Barella. The only reason Inter won that game is because Nicolo Barella, we're watching him explode and and taking develop develop game by game into a world class player, and that goal was, I mean, bend it like Barella. That's all I got to say. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I'm running out of superlatives for this guy. Uh, he's so so good. I mean, I, I wanted. I remember having this conversation with friends that summer when he arrived, I really wanted him. I could see the talent, but I didn't think that barely two years after that move or one and a half years after that move, he turned into this because he is the best midfielder in the Serie A bar none, at least in my opinion. Do you agree, Alex? Yeah, he's really shown his class. I mean, I can remember one of the big concerns. I wasn't as concerned about this as some because I I, I saw a few really good strikes from him uh, when he was playing with the national team, even before he arrived at Inter. But one of the things people had a a concern with when when Inter first uh, signed him was, oh, he doesn't score enough. He doesn't offer enough of a threat in the attack. And he's he's really proven a lot of people wrong from that aspect. Uh, The consistency for me is big. I think that what the big factor to me that separates really good midfielders from world-class midfielders is your ability to put that in a bottle and, and provide that sort of quality once a week or twice a week when you talk about condensed seasons and Champions League and all that. And uh, and Barella has become really a certainty for Inter. The work rate is through the roof. He's got an extra lung. He never stops running. He never seems to get tired. He's pretty consistent when it comes to not getting injured. You know, he's aggressive, but not necessarily overly aggressive. He'll serve some suspensions for yellows every now and then, but he doesn't make a habit of getting sent off. Um, He's really a godsend. I I don't know, you know, uh, it goes without saying, I'm not reinventing the wheel when I say this, but I I don't know where Inter would be points-wise without him because he's really been incredible. Undoubtedly, and and he really does, for, for for us a little bit older Interisti, this guy's got Nicolo, uh, Nicola Berti written all over him, the way he... 100%. Uh, I mean, it's just, he really is his heir. <laughs> it's Nicola Berti's heir. It's, they, they weren't that similar, maybe, in, t- in terms of maybe the tactical and technical stuff. Berti didn't have a great, didn't have a shot on him the same way that, or, or the same way that Barella does. He was, he was much more of a... Like an explosive player in a way, and, and much more had a bit more flair. Barella's everywhere and ev- does everything. Uh, he's not good in the air. That's the only thing he's not good at. Even though his mother wanted him to be a basketball player, <laughs> given the fact, which is kind of hilarious, given that he's so short. Um, but uh, and he, which he revealed, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, but but he, other than that, he he doesn't have any weaknesses. Um, Will I mean, what, what do you take away from the Fiorentina game? Are you also as as 
in awe of the Barella show or 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 do you see that win down to something else? No, I mean Barella was was the best player on the pitch and he scored the goal that, that changed the game. Um so no, I think you I think I think it's fair enough. Um I, I agree with you that I had doubts when he um when he turned up, because I think in his last season at Cali, he'd only, he'd only scored one goal uh, in the whole season, despite appearing in every match. But his his goal contributions have shot up. I mean, there was a stat, there was a stat that we were featuring on the, the website the other day that, you know, or even um, after that match on Friday, you know, he's been involved in eight goals this season uh, between three goals and five assists, which is already a new record for him in a league campaign. And we've still got 17 games left. So he, this is a this is an explosion. Um, funnily enough, he's also been involved in all three goals we've scored against Juventus this season uh, because he scored one and assisted two. So he's, he's doing it in the big games as well. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to him getting booked against Lazio and missing the derby, but that's another matter. Um, we'll come to that maybe later. I, I think in terms of his, um, his all-round performance, yeah, there's nothing really that... Uh, that I can add. He said it himself after the match uh, against Fiorentina. He said, this is the best period of my career. Um, if he can improve with his head, as uh, Christian Stellini said in his press conference, then uh, then the sky's the limit. I mean, he's been linked already to, to certain clubs around Europe. I'm sure there'll be offers coming in the summer. And, uh, I, you know, I just hope that they're all they're all uh, moved away and, and told to, to, uh, to bleep off because uh, this is... Uh, this is the kind of midfield that we had in, you know, I'm going to throw out another, another name, Stankovic, from, mm. uh, from 10 years ago. And, and actually, yeah. there, was another, there was another comparison that was thrown to Stellini last night. That was Conte himself, um, which, is, uh, which is also an interesting comparison, because obviously, and I think that is probably part of why he's, he's developed. So, I mean, he, you know, for all his flaws, and we know that, you know, Conte is probably the perfect manager for someone like Barella, because the, the team is set up to play, to play perfectly for him. So, in terms of recruitment, I think that was, that was a perfect signing. Um, and, we are reaping the benefits of of a, a perfect sort of union between coach and player, um, because you know what better what better role could Conte be suited to coaching than the one that he he's played himself for for 10, 15 years. Um, in terms of the game itself, I mean, it was never really in doubt, was it? Fiorentina had a few absences, and you know, apart from that save from Dragovski, um, sorry, the, the two the, the two saves from Handanovic at the end of the first half, Fiorentina really didn't create much. And once it was 2-0, the game was over. I mean, Prandelli said it himself that the win was deserved. Um, just on Dragovsky, by the way, I also, I also saw a, a tweet last night that was interesting. Somebody said, um, uh, uh, any ran- this is how any random interview with a, a, a goalkeeper goes in Italy these days. They, they, their first question is, um, tell us about your, the best save of your career. And he starts, well, I, I remember that we were playing against Inter, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> because, it's, because it's always, it's always us. Um, but now, um, the other thing, the only other thing I would say about that match yesterday was um, that uh, Hakimi is the only defender in Europe's top five leagues that's been involved in ten goals this season, and he was again sensational. So uh, for sure, I mean, you James, know, well, any time I try to flex that stat, all the Milanisti come back at me and say, "Well, he's a midfielder. It's a three-five-two that doesn't count uh, as a defender." So I, I can never win that argument. Uh, yeah, but then then they say that, but then you don't they need fought- to win that argument. <laughs> Yeah, but the, then they front Theo Hernandez, who's also yes. I mean, it's, it's it's ridiculous because they the the, the modern game is the, you know these guys are wing backs they they do everything and and Hakimi for sure is a wing back Theo plays more in a officially as a full back but he he acts like a wing back absolutely uh, I mean uh, so now nah, it's it's people don't always understand the game when they say <laughs> stupid things and and they do quite often so that's that's leave that as it is but um I mean Jake you you wrote in your piece that we published today on the site Saturday that Ashraf Hakimi and Nicolo Barella are unsellable and I couldn't agree with you more on that uh those two have to stay I don't care who the owner is you cannot you cannot sell those two Right? No, absolutely no chance. Um, I think the financial situation the club might potentially hinder them uh, in the quest to keep hold of both of those players. But uh, for me, I, I don't know how uh, you guys feel, but Barella's the next captain of this club, um, in my eyes. I, I think his mentality is something that Inter lack in their DNA almost. It's, you know, nothing really phases him every game. It's always 100%. He, he comes out in big moments. And I thought, um, yesterday was a really perfect example of that. I think the game was in the balance a little bit. Fiorentina having a little bit of possession into his half, and then he produces a real moment of quality. And almost from that moment, bar Handanovic's double save, the game was in Inter's hands. That's all because of a brilliant piece of quality uh, from Barella. 
And I've been looking through Twitter today and last night, seeing all those pictures of Hakimi just leaving fullbacks for dust. I mean, the one on Hernandez is probably my favourite one because, you know, for obvious reasons. But he's just, he, he defines that position differently to almost any other player that plays in that role. Um, in world football, I'd argue, I know people listen to that, but, like, oh, yeah. but I don't see anybody who's a better wing back on the right hand side than Hakimi. He's got everything. He's he's basically an attacker that can defend. He's he's the most athletic player I think I've seen in well almost the entire time I've been watching football. He's crazy in in that role. Mm. He's he's a winger, a fullback, and he scores goals as well. Inter have got an absolute gem in him. Like no other team can compete with a player like that, and yeah. they've got to keep hold of him. Absolutely, it's like da- it's like Danny Alves at his peak, isn't it? He's just like a gazelle. Moving yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, his, his movement that's... is so easy, um, and he can come into midfield. You know, I was watching um, Manchester City uh, destroy Chelsea a few weeks ago, and I was just thinking that finally, after two and a half years, I don't have to feel sad watching João Cancelo play for another club because we've got we've got an upgrade now. Um, finally, got oh, for sure. sorted. For sure, for sure. Um, let's uh, let's uh, move on to uh, the Lazio game uh, that we because now it's getting now it's getting interesting. Inter have gotten through the Benevento and Fiorentina games. These two weeks is uh, these two upcoming weeks is where it's at. First, it's Lazio, the most informed team in the Serie A, and then it's the derby, and it's going to be quite a derby. And it, and and this is what I'm worried about. Bastoni, Brozovic and Barella, all one yellow card away from uh, from missing the derby, uh, from, from missing a match. And I don't know, you, this is Lazio, you can't rest players. So what do, you, what do you do here? I mean, this is why I wanted them to take a yellow card, you know, against Benevento or even Fiorentina or something, you know, just, just to have them in the derby because... Because I think Lazio will 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 have to will want to attack and and win that game because now with Roma losing today against Juve, um, they they they're really in back in the race for that top four spot and they will really need to win. Um, so I, I I don't know I'm I'm I'm, I'm the, either you know I'm, I'm arguing this with myself back and forth and I don't know where I stand on this but I just the the, the idea that Inter go into a derby without Bastoni, Barella and Brozovic which could actually happen. Um, Barella, Bastoni, and Brozovic—it scares me. It just—it just makes me. Ugh. It really is. Let me put it to you this way: if if all three of them, or one or three of them, misses, it's it's Milan's year, right? I mean, it's just accepted. That's that's what the universe is trying to tell us that Milan are going to win the Scudetto because that means we play them severely weakened in both both times when we play them in the Serie A, right? Alex, what, what do you think? <laughs> three well, derbies, I mean, three collarobs. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what was no, that? Three derbies. Well, three I, was, dar- I was just going to say three derbies, three Kolarovs. Oh. All three derbies. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> which, which would guarantee more goals from Ibra. Like, there's no <laughs> if Kolarov <laughs> starting again, uh, Ibra gets at least one more goal, maybe two, assuming he doesn't get sent off again. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for Lazio, you know, what you say about suspensions is true, but th- this is too important and too difficult of a match. To really take that in consideration, you have to start your your strongest eleven, and you just have to hope and pray that they avoid those yellow cards um, because Lazio are going to be a very tough test. You know, we're recording this before their match with Cagliari. I expect that's going to be a victory for Lazio, which means they'd be coming into this one on six straight league wins, hottest team in Serie A when it comes to current form, if, of course, they, they don't suffer some disaster against Cagliari. So if anyone listens to this on Monday, please know I'm, I, I don't know the result of that game. At the time when I say this, um, you know, the great matchups, obviously, uh, both excellent midfields. You would love to see Barella really on point because you know that Milinkovic-Savic and Luis Alberto are going to have a lot for Inter, that's for sure. And I think that on Really, on on the right wingbacks for both clubs, uh, there there are opportunities to be had. We know what Hakimi can do on Inter's right side. We know what Lazio can do, you know, on the right for Lazio. Um, you know, Ciro Immobile absolutely lethal. You could see him getting a goal in this game, no matter what the outcome is. If it's two one Inter, you could see Ciro getting the goal for Lazio. Uh, Nima, I could see really any outcome happening in this mm. game nothing would surprise me i think it's going to be close i don't think either team you know wins it in a track meet i think it's going to be either a one goal game for either side or maybe a 1-1 draw 
you know, that seems to be a pretty popular result lately when Inter go up against Lazio. And uh, this is going to go a long, long way into deciding Inter's chances at a Scudetto, not to mention Lazio's chances at top four, because with such a tight top four race this season, every point is so important for Lazio, the same way every point is so important for Inter. So, um, you know, and, and both of these teams really do such a, a good job, you know, uh, absorbing pressure, giving up the ball and hitting on the counter. So I, I think that the way the way these teams approach it, who's more aggressive and, and who plays higher up the pitch, I think it's going to be pretty fascinating because both of these teams have similar strengths. For sure. For sure. They really do. And and I mean, my love of, and uh, my absolute infatuation and in love of Simone Inzaghi is has not gone anyone past who follows me on social media or listens to this podcast i i really really rate this man i think he's done an absolutely fantastic job as uh, as as coach of lazio at lazio under very difficult circumstances and he, the way he develops players um i think he's probably the most underrated coach in this area uh and and i i think that he will he he can match antonio conte uh, and i think he has in the past and they, you know, if they come in with, you know, fully fit without any suspensions and injury, their first team is very good. Ciro Immobile is the was the, is the most, was the most prolific goal scorer in Europe last season. You have a Milinkovic Savic, Luis Alberto, um, you know, Lazzari. Uh, they have a fantastic defense in Acerbi. And now they, this is this is a good team. This is a good team, and they will they will match Inter toe for toe and and I'm and I'm 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 really looking forward to see that midfield battle because Barella, Vidal and Brozovic are most almost certainly going to play and they're going to play against uh, that 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 Lazio midfield and it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out on top there um that, that, that's what I'm looking the most for looking forward the most to um uh, what, what do you think Jake what, what, what do you what, what do you see when when you th- when you, th- when you think about the Lazio game what are you expecting I think it'd be a really really tough game I think you know going off the obvious they are definitely the best team in the league in terms of form at the moment and uh, I think that added extra is having those players on booking I think it is quite scary uh, I think the one that they definitely don't want to miss the Derby is Barella, we've just spoken about. He's the one, if you could pick one of them to have to take a yellow card, I'd probably lean towards Brozovic. Um, I know that might seem controversial to some, but simply we can't replace Barella if he gets a yellow card in the Derby. And I don't trust Kolarov for obvious reasons, given that Zlatan seems to have some sort of hold over him, you know, like he does with most people. But um, it'll be a really, really difficult game. And I think some of the things that you touched on there about Lazio are definitely worth mentioning. And I think they deserve a lot of praise for the fact that such a side with a lack of resources compared to some of the teams that are fighting for the top four at the moment. And the manager's done an absolutely outstanding job. He, he came into the club off the back of the sort of Bielsa farce you know, when he left after, what, was it less than two weeks? And, you know, he's, he's managed to galvanise a squad that's cost him very little money. And Chiro Mobley, you know, he's he's simply one of the best strikers in the world. You know, his goal-scoring output's phenomenal. And I was really impressed with them watching against Atalanta. I know Atalanta have been a little bit hit and miss this season. You know, there's a few bits, um, you know, going on behind the scenes. But they were playing really well going into that. They, they dispatched Milan pretty easy. And uh, Lazio did a job of them last week, and they were really, really strong. It looks as if that sort of turgid spell they had at the start of the season's definitely over now, and it's it'll be a really, really tough game for Inter. It's just really, really typical of Inter to see that they have such a typical, you know, fixture run going into such a key part of the season. Yet Milan have basically got nobody over the next few weeks. You know, Crotone. I'm speaking before the game is played, but and then is it is Spezia, isn't it? The, the, the game after. Yeah, so they play Spezia, but then they have the derby, and then they have Roma. So you know, Inter have to win the derby. That they've, yeah. they've no choice. It, it's must win. So the thought of having any key players missing for that game is frightening. And like you know, you, you mentioned it last time we were on the pod name. It's it's almost written that. Milan are just getting every little piece of luck at the moment. Everything seems to be going their way. It'd just be so typical that Inter are missing two or three of those players. Milan win the game, and then what do we do yeah. then? Yeah, that's, then that's it. Then that's it, isn't it? Uh, but let's, I mean, let's talk about the Lazio game. I'm, I'm keen to hear what battles are you looking forward to the most? I mean, for me, it's going to be the midfield battle of uh, Milinkovic Savic, Luis Alberto versus uh, Barella and Brozovic. What about you, Will? What are you looking forward to in that game? What's going to be key to win? 
Well, Lukaku and Acerbi will be a, a fun match. Um, Acerbi mm. is, you know, I, I think if you are going to pick a weakness in Lazio's team, I think the defenders either side of Acerbi are not as dependable as him, but he he will be the one tasked with marking Lukaku. So uh, whether he can whether he can keep at arm's length, that'll be interesting. I think uh, Hakimi can get some joy with Marosic as well, who's a very interesting player, but he's not really defensive-minded and, and can be a problem. Um, obviously, um, Lazari is, is less of a fun prospect on the other side against either Perisic or, or Young, given what we've just been saying, and potentially... Um, Oh no, not Kolarov, Sorry, because uh, he's we. That's uh, he can't. Bastoni can't be suspended for that game. Um, so yeah, those two. But as you said, the midfield is is really interesting. Um, you know, we we've criticised this inter team in the past for not being able to control big games, and it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't really surprise me if we saw something you know reasonably similar in this match. Because I think honestly, Lazio have the best midfield in in Serie A in terms of not in terms of depth, but in terms of the first eleven. Um, certainly the most complete midfield. Mm. When we when we were when you when you threw out the suggestion earlier that Barella was the best midfielder in. In Serie, I was trying to think who else I would who I would have up against him, and Luis Alberto was the first name that I that I thought of. Um, Paolo Condor said a few weeks ago that he has two violins for, for feet, which I think is a very <laughs> nice way of, uh, of uh, putting it. So, yeah, their first eleven is is fantastic. Um, they've also got the best twelfth man in Serie in, in uh, Caicedo, although I think he might be injured at the moment. So we'll see if he's uh, he's recovered in time. But yeah, this is really tough. Um, Simon Inzaghi, as you said. You know, he's. I don't warm to him on a personal level, but he always has a really good game plan for these big matches. Um, I can't remember since La- since he took over Lazio four or five years ago a game in a against a big opposition where you know Lazio just didn't turn up or didn't cause problems. You know, they don't have great depth and the lack of options off the bench, as we saw rather dramatically in that match against Milan just before Christmas when he took off Immobile and Milinkovic and they lost the game. That can sometimes be a problem, but. You know, if they have their first eleven firing, then honestly, I don't think their first eleven is inferior to Milan's. You know, maybe if maybe there's an Ibra factor, but you know, mm. Immobile is not exactly a, a slouch either <laughs> up front. So, you know, it, it's you know the, that just tells you how amazingly well that uh, Milan have done and how how perhaps Lazio almost underperformed a bit. I mean, they don't get the credit that they or the the, the exposure that they deserve because it's Lazio. You know, they're not even the biggest team in their own city in terms of media coverage, so they do go under the radar, and that helps them. Um, but you know, that in a in a one-off match, they are. You know, I don't think this match on. If you take out the sort of derby element, if you take about just about the players, this match is no less difficult than than the Milan game. They're both Absolutely. on the they're both on the same level of difficulty. So I think, you know, if we get four points from these two games, I think that's a good result, no matter what happens uh, in other matches. Because you know, if we've got the tough games now, then there'll be a period later in the season when when Milan have the tough matches. So um, I, I think this is going to be. Really, really tough. You know, Lazio have been, they, they, they lost a lot of points in sort of November, December because they were they were tied out by the Champions League. You know, they're not used to doing that. No. And they dropped a lot of points against teams that they should beat because they were probably a bit distracted. Those teams were, were tied out from the Champions League. Since the Champions League has gone away, you've seen, they've won, what was it, five in a row? Um, Six, so it, yeah. it, it could be that with this Bayern Munich tie coming up, they, they fall away again. But right now, they are probably the most difficult team to play. So I, I agree. I think this will be really tight. I have got a feeling that we might win it, but I don't think it's going to be fun. No, no, for sure. What about a predict? I mean, personally, I I think it's going to. For me, this is a one nil win for Lazio or Inter. I can't decide who, but I, I'm getting one of one or the other. Like it's going to. It's not going to be a goal fest like the one where Spalletti. I think it was Spalletti uh, coaching Inter, where Inter went to Rome in a rain during a storm, pretty much, and I think they won three four nil or something. Yeah, three 0 yeah, Three 0 yeah. There was there was another goal fest we had under Spalletti against Lazio. I don't know if you remember that particular match, <laughs> May twenty eighteen. <laughs> <Bissell>. ah. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that, you were going to say that. That was no, 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 no. I, I I'm talking about blowout wins. I mean that that game, uh, the last of the game, and that was insane. That game, yeah. De Frey and, and, I, and in fact, we were outplayed for seventy minutes. If you want to talk about Simone Inzaghi's uh, preparation of big games, that was. <laughs> That was uh, Inter were lucky in that game. Yeah, I don't care we, what we, we were says. hammered for seventy minutes. We were hammered exactly. I mean, that was yeah. I mean, yeah, that I was... think that that's maybe one thing that Inzaghi sometimes he does his substitutions in big matches aren't always the most effective. And I think on that day as well, that may have been a problem. But you know, he hasn't got much to work with. So well, exactly. Much, He's got know, Allegri was always seen as the best. Uh, tactical manager and game manager in Serie A, but when he was at Juventus, he had like the Carlin Globetrotters on his bench, so it's always yeah. a bit of bit of one and bit of one column, bit of the other. So yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm one nil either way. I can't decide which way. Uh, what about you, Will? Just quickly uh, predicting for that game. 
Uh, I've got 2-1. I don't have scorers, but I, I think a 2-1 with a, a late winner, and I'd be delighted for that. Mm. Oh, my God. If Inter winning against Lazio, it's game on, uh, yeah. for sure. Alex? I'm going to go 1-0 for Inter. I'll give it to Lukaku. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tight game, and it's not going to be fun, like Will said, but I, I'm going to give the edge to Inter. Jake? Well, since Mo isn't here... Uh, we've got to keep up the positivity, haven't we? So, yeah, <laughs> two one, two one into win. Nice one. It's going to be a nice Valentine's Day for everyone. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's Feb, February 14th, yeah. 14th, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity, which we presented by Mr. Alex Donald. the Moji uh, for today. It's something we've alluded to on this episode, but haven't really talked about. Uh, and it's certainly not the fault of any of the three of us, and, and certainly not the fault of any of Inter's players or managers or physios. But guys, that financial cloud of uncertainty mm. that's hanging over the club right now. I'm, I'm staring right now at this headline, juicy headline from the Financial Times. Inter Milan owner seeks $200 million in emergency mm. finance. I think we've all we've all read it by now. You know, we, we know about the liquidity problems uh, and the losses that Suning have taken. We know, uh, I wish I understood it better than I do, but we know about the restrictions that the Chinese government have put on them. And it's why we've been seeing terms like BC partners in the headlines for several weeks now and other potential investors. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for the, the, the best. I, I know that some of the most dire predictions, you know, talk about, you know, salaries staying unpaid and relegation to City a D. I'm certainly not expecting that. Um, you know, I'm also not expecting any investor to come in like a white knight who just saves the club and then they end up, you know, signing Messi and, and investing, you know, hundreds of millions of euros in the next transfer window. You know, my hope would be that some sort of financial stability is found very soon, because I, I think the last thing we want, Nima, and you and I have talked a lot about this. No, we don't expect Inter to go bankrupt or anything like that. But the last thing we would want is to see the complete death of the sporting project and to have to slip back into a banter era. So I'm hoping that some kind of a financial infusion or some sort of an answer is coming soon. Because the cloud of uncertainty hanging over the club's finances, it's something I've lost some sleep over over the past week, I will admit. Absolutely. And I want to, you know, Sooning, everybody who's listened to this show will know where I stand on the Sooning. I think Sooning have been the best thing to happen to Inter since the treble. Uh, what they've done to the club in terms of investment, in terms of professionality, to help it grow, all of that. Everything has been phenomenal. But now they are a liability because... The way this is every single day, it's a new headline. Yesterday, some sort of record was broken when in the middle of an Inter game, news broke that Suning, that, that the Serie A have discontinued Suning's rights to show the Serie A in China because of outstanding payments. Because Suning, obviously, their PPTV, the company they own, uh, has the rights to the Serie A and they've not paid the Serie A. For the rights and they're so the city uh, just like they the Premier League did with them discontinued their their their, their rights to show the city uh, in China that came in the middle of the game against Inter that that's when that broke uh, and that that's got to be some sort of new record of, of negativity and and or news surrounding Inter breaking in the middle of a game I mean th this is this is gonna get worse and worse and they need to they have to sort this situation out sooner rather than later. Um, and they're not talking um, right now, which makes it worse. And when Marotta goes out and says what he said yesterday about, you know, these 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 are situations that are above our prey grade. All we have to do is to maintain calm. That's easier said than done. Um, and Suning are not, you know, they they they've gone from being Inter's biggest strength to being a liability. And it hurts me to say that, but that's just how it is right now. And I just hope the situation is is resolved. Hopefully, with Sooning staying on. That's all I can say. Right, let's move on to. Please the, read the site because we are churning out those articles. Oh God, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say. 
For yeah. sure. I was going to say, I think that our coverage on that has been fantastic. I don't want to blow our yeah. own. And I'll, and I'll say this is I, I don't write for this site, uh, but I, I read the site daily. Sempre Inter has been a godsend for me because I, I, I'm getting several updates on this per day and, and I need it. I, I am a junkie for Inter news and, and everyone on the site is doing a great job. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Really appreciate we, it. We had um, we had a game on on Friday, and I was working for two hours on Friday morning before the words Fiorentina or Antonio Conte <laughs> appeared in one of our articles. Exactly. It was all about the club situation, and mm. you know we just have to hope that uh, Conte and Marotta can keep isolating the team from uh, from these issues because right. it can easily derail a season, and we wouldn't yeah. want that. Yeah. Let's move on to something much more comical. This week's frog, which will be presented by Mr. William Beckman. Not like me to lower the tone, but I'm going to do so. Um, this week's frog is a man called Bobby Bullock, I believe is the pronunciation of his name. You may have seen him rise to fame on social media this week. He, uh, I was going to say is, he was uh, a commentator for a Scottish Premiership club. <laughs> Um, Hamilton Academical, and uh, he, he unfortunately lost his job this week for what the club themselves described as, let me just get the quote, uh, a very poor attempt at humour. Um, so uh, Ham- It's Hamilton, hilarious, that's all yeah, i got to say. Yeah, well, you, you like toilet humour, don't you, Nima? So, uh, um, so Hamilton have their own TV channel, um, and uh, their commentators were commentating on their match on Wednesday against Ross County. And obviously, this is a very important service for supporters because they can't go to the ground at the moment. So these in-house TV channels are really, uh, really earning their corn at the moment. But um, <laughs> by the way, first of all, before I get to the brain incident, um, this this commentator, he missed the start of this match because um, he thought that <laughs> Hamilton were playing away from home in this match and so and when Hamilton do their obviously when they do their home games they're at the ground but when they do their away games they commentate the matches from a studio which is right next to uh, Ibrox Rangers stadium so he actually missed the first 10 minutes of this match because he he had driven to the wrong place to commentate the game so already his his evening was was a bit of a problem before anything else happened so eventually he turned up and then at the start of the second half um <laughs> It looked as if he'd missed this game. He missed the start of the second half as well. But as it turned out, he'd only he'd uh, forgotten to turn his mic on for the start of the second half. But after a few minutes, they realised that he'd he'd um, uh, that, he, that he'd forgotten to turn his mic on. But he decided to to come up with a, an alternative excuse for why he hadn't been seemingly commentating <laughs> for the first few minutes. And he said uh, he said that he had he he'd went away for a jobby. And if, if you're not familiar with it, uh, a jobby is not something untoward. It's actually Scottish slang for, for number two, essentially. It's not the other thing you might have thought it might be. That would have been even better. Um, no, but he no, said, I, he yeah. added that, um, well, he, yeah, he added that it was just a wee poop and that he had to squeeze quite a bit. That was his excuse for missing the first few minutes of the second half. This is um, out on Twitter and I urge you all to listen to it. There's a video. I died. I retweeted it naturally because I love love Scotland, Scotland generally and Scottish football is, is is amazing and I don't love toilet humor I love Scottish toilet humor <laughs> there's a distinction there uh, yeah. Scottish well, football Ham- is Hamilton, Hamilton Hamilton didn't because they they axed him straight after the match and uh, with a very cursed tweet that said uh, a contractor used by the club on co-commentary duties overstepped the mark this evening with a very poor attempt at humour. The club didn't find this funny and the person will not be used again. Our apologies. To which uh, Bobby himself a couple of days later said, a sense of humour is important during these difficult times. Remember that the next time you're doing a jobby. <laughs> Phenomenal. It's absolutely brilliant. This this story is absolutely brilliant. And Scottish football, I mean, I'm I'm in love with Scottish football. It's been it's been a thing of mine for the past year and a half where I've I've started following Scottish football generally because 
there's so much it's it's hilarious there's so much fun things funny things and crazy things happening in scottish football that is absolutely it's i i mean you don't you don't let me put it to you this way you don't need a favorite team to enjoy scottish football you you can just be you're blown away by 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 everything surrounding it Uh, and and it's funny it's funny as hell um, right, uh, let's move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which is presented by Mr. Jake Smalley. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this quality. Uh, just before we move on, just a last one on that. If nobody in the sort of Glasgow area who's writing for publication has not used the headline, Bobby drops a bullock. Um, for that story, then they're missing out big time. It's <laughs> a great headline to use. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, for me, this week's big positive moment has got to be Nicolo Barella. We've we've spoken about him at length tonight, but I'm running out of superlatives to steal your phrase from before, Neba, to describe him. For me, he's the best midfielder the team's had in over 10 years. I think that's a, a fair sort of assessment. He's absolutely fantastic. And long may this period of form continue. And it's only good news for Italy and for Inter to see him playing like the way he is. And like I said before, he's the next captain of this club. Let's make sure he stays. Mm-hmm. Well, it's either him or Skriniar, although I, I I have to see Milan Skriniar be, be captain. I mean, but it's one of those two for sure. I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank you, Alex, for coming on two weeks in a row now. But uh, don't be a stranger. It, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Mr. Jake Smalley. Uh, yeah, second that. Thanks so much for having me again. I've really, really enjoyed talking football with you guys again. Uh, Mr. William Beckman. Thank you, friends. I hope we were positive enough for you, listener, despite Mo's absence. It felt like it. So, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Keep, keep we... reading about BC Partners and Bain Capital and EQT and all that because there's a yeah. lot going on. So yeah, do. it certainly is. It certainly is. Um, and as always, I'm your host, Nima Tavali wishing you health. Stay safe. Listen to your authorities, uh, local authorities. Until next week, I'm hoping you a wishing you a good week, a fa- place in the final of the Coppa Italia, and three points. And sempre e solo forza Italia.